0: Welcome to From Duck Till Dark Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Facefront True Believers, this is George and Welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark, outside the Marvel Studios. My personal celebration of all Marvel movies that came out before and during the run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that were not part of that universe. They were basically either one-offs that were in their own little world. They were sequels or trilogies or in the case of X-Men quite a quite a large series of movies and and throughout the run of those movies there is one in particular that is looked at as one of the most celebrated comic book movies of all time and i'm counting both marvel dc and marvel cinematic universe and i'm talking about sam raimi's 2004 smash spider-man 2 this is still one of the most celebrated comic book films of all time and Deservedly, even before the, the first film, even before the first film was released, Sony had hired writers Alfred Goff and Miles Millar to write a script of the film. And those names should be very familiar to anyone who is a fan of comic book properties on television because these two guys created Smallville. And so they definitely had their experience when it came to uh, working on comic book characters and around the time that the first film had come out David Kep was added to co-write with Goffin and Miller and in September of 20 of and in September of 2002 they brought in Michael Sheban to to, uh, to do a rewrite and Michael Sheban is a very well-known novelist and screenwriter and so here he is working on a Spider-Man film and doing some research I was really, really interested in uh, some of the elements that he was able to bring in. He had a younger Dr. Octopus, someone who was infatuated with Mary Jane. And originally the mechanical limbs, they used endorphins to counteract the pain of being attached to his body, which was really interesting. And he wound up getting into a battle with Spider-Man and his tentacles got fused together and the fusion starts to kill him. And it turns out that in typical comic book movie fashion, um, Otto Octavius, Dr. Octopus, was the creator of the genetically altered spider that bit Peter in the first film. So this was... This is one of those cases where the where the villain and the hero were you know created in were linked somehow in in their creation. And so it's very much in the style of Jack Napier killing Bruce Wayne's parents. And he wound up giving Peter an antidote in order to remove his powers. So it's playing up the elements that are in the finished film which were inspired by Superman 2. In this case, it's the villain that tricks Peter, basically, into removing his powers and using Spider-Man's spine to basically try to save himself. And so, that wound up becoming something very interesting. So there are a lot of elements in there that that made it into the, into the finished film and quite a few that didn't. And what Raimi did was he went through all the different drafts that he had and then worked with screenwriter Alvin Sargent, a two-time Academy Award screenwriter, Al- Alvin Sargent, the man responsible for ordinary people. And he's the one that's coming aboard working with Sam Raimi on Spider-Man 2. So it's n- no disrespect to David Kep I-, I enjoy his writing very much. But it feels like they were really kind of stacking the deck with this one. They wanted to make sure that they had the best possible writers involved in this, that could really elevate everything that they have in this. And the main thing that uh, that Sam wanted to really kind of focus on was Peter Parker's conflict with being Spider-Man and being responsible for saving so many people and basically just trying to live up to Uncle Ben's expectations of him and constantly being haunted by the guilt of allowing Uncle Ben to die the way that he did, and mixing that in with Peter Parker wanting to keep himself afloat and keep in uh, not not always like be behind on his rent with his apartment and trying to keep up on his schoolwork and trying to trying to keep Mary Jane in his life and all the the back and forth that he has to deal with. It was just like, just absolutely, it's absolutely nerve wracking to watch him deal with all this. And I got to give like so much credit to everyone involved because this, if you look at this film, this one film, Spider-Man 2, this film perfectly encapsulates everything that Stan Lee wanted to do with this character, wanted to have him be a teenager with different problems. And someone who doesn't always win, and someone who is dealing with one thing after another. Stan had put out this uh, this one example that was really perfect, saying that he in in one, in one direction, down one street, you have Dr. Octopus destroying something and everyone needing Spider-Man to come in and save the day. But over to the right is the pharmacy that has Aunt May's medication that could kill her if she doesn't have it. So it's it's that constant pull that he's feeling. Which direction is he going to go in? And this is where the organic web shooters really comes into play. And because they start failing him. And it's one of those things where it's not him just wanting to completely leave it or anything or feeling the sort of like resentment He's burnt out. He is absolutely exhausted. He wants to do everything. He wants to be there for everyone. He wants to please everyone, but he just can't. And by attempting to do that, he winds up pleasing no one. He keeps on getting fired from his jobs. He keeps on disappointing Mary Jane. He keeps on... He's trying to be Spider-Man and save the day when at the same time, like, his web shooters are failing him and he's losing a step he's only able to do so much he only really is able to step up as spider-man around this point when aunt may is being threatened during the whole bank scene and it's it's a it's a really interesting dichotomy that he always has to keep dealing with and i and i love it i think that uh, that it's it's a it's a perfect illustration of what spider-man is all about and I was relieved to see there were far few cringeworthy moments, as I noted before, from the first film. Far less, not not completely eradicated. There's a big one that comes way down the line that I'll get to, but i I think I think that uh, Tobey Maguire, you know, once again really nailed Peter Parker and was a solid Spider Man. Kirsten Dunst, I thought, was was a perfectly good Mary Jane. A lot of times she she was able to show that she has some spunk in her. And I was interested in seeing like where, like where the whole thing goes with her, basically with this love triangle that she's got going on, because you have Peter really wanting to be there for her. At the same time, she's getting married to John Jameson, the astronaut. And so, and then you have the elements with Harry Osborn, constantly blaming Spider-Man for, for the death of his father, Norman. And knowing that there is somewhat of a connection between Peter Parker and Spider-Man because of all the different pictures that he takes of Spider-Man for the Daily Bugle. So you have Harry coming after him as well. So there's there's he's just getting hit on by hit by everyone at this point. And it's it's a real struggle to see him deal with this. And and I totally understand like his need to eventually just kind of walk away from everything. And the, the moment when he does it, I thought was, was handled really, really well, especially when he has that moment where he walks away from the suit while it's lying in a garbage can, and which is a perfect recreation of that famous panel from, from the Marvel comics when he says, I'm Spider-Man no more. And they even put the exclamation point by using that same line. And, uh, and all credit, all... Absolutely, all credit goes to Alfred Molina as Doctor Octopus, Otto Octavius. I thought he was incredibly charming. I thought he he showed so many great elements of Doctor Octopus. It was great to see him not being so one dimensional as he was in the in the comics originally. He was very he, he was very much like someone who had this accident, had these tentacles fused to fused to him, and now all of a sudden he wants to dominate the world. And that's not what he wants to do here. He wants he knows that his work is incomplete and he's wanting to wanting to finish it. And he also has these four devils on his shoulder with these four tentacles basically like leading him into whatever direction that they feel that he needs to go in. And speaking of those tentacles, the scene in the hospital when he wakes up, when the tentacles wake up before him. Is one of the most outstandingly shot scenes in the entire film. This is this is Raimi from the Evil Dead Days just going off with these crazy angles and everything and just over-the-top awesomeness and you know, i feel like i'm i'm just kind of like babbling on that just by saying that but that's what it felt like it was just a true visceral moment when those tentacles wake up and start wreaking havoc overall i like, i feel like there is there are a couple little elements that that i feel didn't work quite as well it took a little bit for me to realize just how the way that he the way that peter eventually got like all of his powers back at first, like it played kind of like, well, of course, now he's got them, got them all back. But then when you realize that, that this happened because of Mary Jane being in danger and with everything that, uh, that's been happening between the two of them and how there is a true spark between the two of them, and then to have that feeling of, Oh my God! I I've put her in danger by having her in this, and it was that necessity of just really kind of breaking out and doing whatever was necessary to make sure that he got her back. Yeah, that would that would elevate anyone's you know like powers back up to where they need to be. That's where he's running on pure adrenaline. And speaking of pure adrenaline, the entire subway scene is magnificent. The whole subway fight scene is just start to finish perfection. Even the moments, like right near the end, right near the end of it all, when he is basically being carried over by the by the subway by the subway passengers, and almost like Christ-like, that that's kind of pushing it in terms of in in terms of cringeworthy. But at the same time, it was still very genuine. If it, it worked for that moment. There is one other major element that I just have to mention, and that is the outstanding montage that was done right after Peter walked away from being Spider-Man. Very, <laughs> very unexpected montage uh, done to the tune of Raindrops Keep Fallen on My Head from Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And we get to see Peter basically just... Enjoying himself being Peter Parker and only being Peter Parker, not having to deal with other people's troubles as Spider-Man and just focusing on his own studies and basically just making sure that he's got everything personally in check. And it caps off with just like the perfect freeze frame after he gets complimented by Dr. Connors for his for his work in in class that day. Just it's just an absolutely perfect moment. (laughs) And uh, there's just so many, so many great moments in there as well. Obviously, later on, you have Peter's confession to to Aunt May for allowing Uncle Ben's death to take place and feeling that responsibility. And uh, there's just, there's just so much, so much great stuff that is in this movie, and the way it, the way it caps off too, just with with great promise for what's to come. Because you not only have Peter and and Mary Jane being together, but you also have Harry discovering Norman's lair, his Green Goblin lair, and seeing and wondering like what could what could possibly come of all of this. And then to, and then, to uh, then the perfect exclamation point on the whole thing, once you get past the real cringeworthy moment that was right near the end where Mary Jane ditches John at the wedding and is running with her big wedding dress in slow motion while the wedding march blasts running through a park and just the, the whole moment is just like it's so, so over the top. Cringe-worthy. It was just like, oh, that's too much. That's too much, Sam. Um, but thankfully, he reels it in for the very end when he gives Mary Jane and Peter their moment to actually be together, to be a couple. And she lets him go, saying, go get him, Tiger, and has that moment of definitely concern for Peter and for herself, just as she watches him swing away. It's very much in the same vein as The Graduate. When Ben and Elaine were on the bus after Ben getting Elaine out of her wedding and the two of them sitting in the back of the bus and they were celebrating the fact that they got away. But then all of a sudden there was that moment of just like, okay, now what? And that's what we get here. And it's a perfect way to wrap up this, this film. I still would put Spider-Man two very, very high on my list. I would put it in the top 10, if not top five of my favorite comic book films. And I, I, I'm just really, really excited that I got to experience it in the movie theater and just absolutely love it. I I think this is just a terrific interpretation of what Peter Parker and Spider-Man are all about. So definitely, you know, definitely give it a look if you haven't in a while. You definitely need to revisit it, especially since we have not seen the last of Alfred Molina as Otto Octavius because we'll be seeing him in Spider-Man No Way Home in December. Very excited for that and very excited for what's to come with this Spider-Man universe with Sony Pictures. I just remember being so thrilled to see what was gonna come next in this in this Spider-Man trilogy. Had no idea what was awaiting me three years later, but we'll get to that. But first we have one more trilogy to wrap up for 2004 before we get into the first family of Marvel getting their long awaited debut on the big screen. And so until then, this is George Sorori saying to all of you, Ever Upward and Excelsior, I'll see you tomorrow.